right? And now we get to hear an amazing message from our senior pastor, amazing confidant, friend. If you don't know him, he's one of the most amazing people, the biggest shepherd's heart of, of anyone that I've ever met. And I don't just put that out there. I tell him often, Randy, we're so excited to, to hear from you this morning. Hey, thank you, Ian. Thank you, guys, for worshiping. Thanks, Terry, so much for being here. I want to take um, just a minute and uh, be quiet before the Lord. I often do that when we're all gathered. No reason not to do the same um, while we're all gathered. So um, remind you that at the end of the service, we're going to take communion as a family. So if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, if you haven't already, go get some elements and be ready at the end of the service, we'll take communion. But for now, let's just bow our heads and, and uh, be present to God, who's always present to us. God, thank you. Thank you that we're here in your presence. You are in all places omnipresent. So where we are, you are. And we celebrate that. Thank you, God, that wherever we are and whether we're alone, God, you're with us, near to us. If our kids are present and things, lots of things going on in the room, Jesus, you're smiling upon those children. And I ask, Lord, in this time of silence that you would allow us to experience your smile upon us as your beloved. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to some of us in the midst of worship. You dropped something into our mind or hearts that is just for us. And we thank you for that revelation and ask that you would sink it deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to uh, jump right in this morning. We're starting a new series. I'll talk a lot about that in the next couple of minutes. But I want to begin with this statement. Faith is the lens through which we see God, life, and the world. For the follower of Jesus, faith, that concept that sometimes seems hard to understand and to walk out, faith is the lens through which we as believers in Jesus look at and walk through the God, our own lives, and the world. Everybody has a lens, and your lens is your perspective on life. I am um, contend sometimes towards the melancholy, and so I often have a negative lens. I'm working on that, but uh, if you need an editor, I'm your guy. I can find a mistake in, any, in anything. <laughs> the bulletin comes out a couple of years ago. The bulletin went out, and it uh, announced our new, our new food panty. Laughter. There was just one little thing missing, just one mistake, but the difference between food pantry and food panty is enormous. Perspective. I don't always see in the negative, though. A couple of years ago, I was playing golf with a friend. I've got a friend who has means and connections. And so we play golf at lots of places that I would otherwise not be able to afford. And we were playing golf in a place in, here in Indiana called Purgatory. The name of the course should itself communicate a little bit about what you experienced there. In any case, we came to a par three. And I'm, we're standing at the tee and we're looking at this green. And it's, it's surrounded by sand traps. 
And and as I looked at it, for some reason, I could see a face, except the face was upside down. So I'm standing on the tee, and I mentioned to a guy who I'd not met before, I said, look, it looks like an upside-down smiley face. And the guy's real serious. He looks at me. I've never met him before, and he says, it's a frowny face. I said, well, it all depends on how you look at it. (laughs) Perspective is everything. Um, And that one day, I could see the smile rather than the frown. The lens through which we look at the world. Think about this. Our lens doesn't affect reality. Our, Our lens doesn't affect what is. What is, is. But our lens seriously affects the way we live. Your lens affects the way you live. And um, the way you look at the world has a huge impact on the reality in the world. How you live based on your perspective changes the world. Your perspective doesn't change reality. How you live based on your perspective changes reality. Because you live and you move and you act and you have your being in reality based on a perspective. So every thought that yields an action, every action that yields a habit, every habit that yields a character, every character that lives out a destiny, all based on perspective, how we look, think, and then act in the world. The lens is everything because perspective is critical. We're in COVID-19, seclusion, stay at home, so many of us. Uh, Is this for you a curse or a gift? Now, I'm not, it's not black or white. I know for, for many of us, this is so challenging. Healthcare workers working harder than ever, putting their lives at risk. People struggling through un, uh, unemployment. People really challenged with difficult relationships and, and smashed together. It's a tragedy for some. But with the lens of faith, again, doesn't change the reality, but with the perspective of faith, with, with the lens looking at God, what gift might be in the midst of this situation for us. I was uh, listening to a speaker yesterday in a Zoom conference, and he said, um, so many times suffering is a special invitation to fellowship with Jesus that otherwise we would never experience. I'm chewing on that. I'm still working on that. I don't like it all that much, except that I know that in every situation, God is present with an invitation inviting me in to see him and to know him in a way that otherwise, in this challenge, I may not have experienced. So for the next six weeks, this week and the next six, we're going to enter the world of Habakkuk, uh, an Old Testament prophet, and we're going to let God's word form us in the next six weeks. And here's the question. The question is, what is the lens through which you look at your life, God, and the world? What's the, the lens? What, what, what are your glasses as you look at life, the world, um, and God? What lens do you have on? This is not just a, a, a catchy way to talk about this. This is reality. Our perspective has so much impact on the way we live our lives, and the way we live our lives has so much impact on reality in the world. Let's pray. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would uh, release to us wisdom, revelation, understanding of these scriptures inspired by God. 
Holy Spirit, um, give us uh, a way to look, a way to see, uh, an eternal perspective. We ask God for eyes of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to uh, jump into a little bit of background on Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk, uh, look up how to spell the name. It'll be fun for you. Habakkuk, we don't know much about the actual prophet. His name is only two times in the whole Bible. Actually, two times in the book. That's it, other than the table of contents. So we don't know a whole lot about him. Scholars don't even know what his name means. Some people say it means uh, uh, someone who's kind of grasping or or clawing or clinging or embracing. We don't really know. Not going to make a lot out of it. What we do know is that Habakkuk, the prophet, was writing about the rising power of the Babylonians. If we were here with a bunch of kids, every time I said Babylonians, I would ask everyone to go, boo. Thank you. Because <laughs> the Babylonians were a, an evil people. He was uh, writing about the rising power of the Babylonians and the coming invasion of Judah, the people of God. So we know it's roughly 612, between 612 and 587 B.C., 600 years before Jesus. Now, it's a prophetic book, which means that Habakkuk is writing about what will happen, and he's talking about God's dealings with the faithful and with the unfaithful people and about the hope of God's people no matter what. Habakkuk is writing as a, as a prophetic encouragement to us in the midst of difficult times to help us understand the hope of God's people, no matter what. One difference between Habakkuk and other uh, Old Testament prophets is that Habakkuk is not just speaking God's words to us through his prophecy. The book of Habakkuk is actually uh, a conversation between the prophet and, and God. So it's like we're in Habakkuk's prayer journal. And, and Habakkuk's pouring out his heart, and God is answering. And so we get a picture of this uh, divine relationship, I mean, just like we get, right, with God, this divine relationship between Habakkuk and the Lord and his honesty. So the, the book of Habakkuk, just three short chapters, is a journey. And it's a journey from questions and doubt to hope by way of faith. As you're reading through the book and as you're listening to the messages, think about this as a journey. We're with Habakkuk, and we are on a, a, a journey um, bringing our questions and our concerns and even our doubt to the Lord. We're on our way to hope by way of faith. One way to look at Habakkuk, I read just read in the commentary, I liked it because it all rhymes, uh, is uh, the three complaints or questions that Habakkuk has for God. God, do you care? God, are you fair? And God, are you there? It's touching. I mean, it touches me. I read that and I thought, well, it's cheesy, but man, it hits my life. Who hasn't at some point asked God that? God, do you really care about me? Are are you fair in the world? Like, hey, this is not fair. It's not just the four-year-old who says this is not fair. It's the 40-year-old and the 80-year-old. And that question constantly, when things are really, really challenging, we say, God, are you there? Like, where, where were you when? And you can fill in your own blank. It's interesting that as you hear us speak in the next couple of weeks, we're going to say that the theme of Habakkuk is faith. 
that, that the theme of this book is faith. And, and, and the word faith isn't even used till chapter 2. But the whole book is about faith. Faith in the midst of questions that are hard to, to understand. Faith in the midst of challenges. Faith in the midst of waiting. Faith in the, in the midst of invitations to difficult situations. Faith in the midst of action, in spite of circumstances, in spite of feelings. It's faith. It's that perspective on the world, God, and our own lives that looks from heaven rather than just from earth. And my prayer is that Habakkuk will help us to see our current blurry lives through this uh, clear lens of faith. That's the goal here. The goal is not explain the world and explain God and give everyone three examples. That's not the goal. We're not trying to eradicate mystery. We're trying to increase faith because we're on our way to hope by way of faith. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have an application of faith to things that we all deal with. Uh, Life before the fulfillment of God's promises. Uh, What about evil? Why does God allow evil in the world? How will God deal with evil? Will God have vengeance on on the unjust? How do we walk in patience and, and practice God's presence in an idolatrous world? What about testimony? How do, how do we fuel our prayer with what God has done in the past and then ask him and believe that he'll do it again in our midst? We're, we'll be looking at faith as a lens through which we look at God, our lives, and the world. So since we're going to be talking about faith for the next six weeks, I want to spend some time today and try to define faith, which feels relatively impossible, but we'll give it a whirl. Fortunately, we have a biblical definition. Hebrews 11.1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for out there in the future, the conviction, the certainty of things that we actually haven't seen. Faith is living as if the promise from God is real. It's walking as if you're certain about something that you haven't actually seen. And for some of us, and I confess sometimes for me, I read that, especially different translations of Hebrews 11.1, and I go, it's just, how do I... You can't grab onto it. Some translations say faith is the substance of things hoped for. And yet I try to grab it, and I'm like, where's, I don't get it. And I think personally that's one of the reasons that the, the Lord, in his grace, gives us Hebrews, the rest of Hebrews 11. You read through Hebrews 11, and you see over and over these two words, by faith. And, and many call it the, the hall of faith. It's just all of these people who encountered God, encountered the world, lived in bodies like us, with issues like us, and yet walked in faith. And we get to see what it looks like. What we see is perseverance, courage, failure, victory, people sawn in two. I mean, it gets a little gruesome in Hebrews 11. A couple of things that faith is not. Faith is not... Pretending that what we see and feel is not real. Okay? That's fantasy. Faith is not pretending that what is right in front of us and what we see and feel is not real. That's, that's, uh, that's fantasy. 
faith is also not stuffing God into our own box of understanding, sort of redefining God in the world to fit us. That's presumption. That, that's like us telling God, here's what you've got to do now, as if we're God. We don't, we don't want to do that. I love the way Bill Johnson talks about faith. He says, faith explores what God reveals. It's a, it's a great image. Faith explores what God reveals. Faith is active. That's why John Wimber, you know, one of the founder of the Vineyard Movement, uh, always used to say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is like going for it. Faith is throwing our lot in with God and walking as if everything that God has revealed to us in the scriptures is literally right now true. Faith is going for it. But it's important that we understand that faith and fate, hear the enunciation, faith and fate are different. They're not the same thing at all. Fate is passive. Hey, whatever will be, will be, right? Just going through life. Who knows what's going to happen? It's all up to fate. That's called idolatry. (laughs) There's no trust in fate. Fate is passive. Faith is active. Faith is us, again, throwing our lot in with God according to his word and then living under God's declarations and promises. Faith is throwing our lot in with God, looking at this scripture and, and, and receiving this revelation and saying, I'm going with it. I'm living as if this is true. That's true faith. There's also a difference. It's just because words are important to me and I think to us. God chose to communicate to us through words. That there's a difference between faith and trust. And I mean, this isn't my own scholarly uh, thoughts, but I think, this is, I think this is real. A difference between faith and trust. Trust is relational. Trust is based on the character of a person I'm in a relationship with. Logan, I, I trust you. I know your character. You've proven yourself, so I trust you. Trust is relational. Faith is situational. We need both of them. But trust is based on the character of the one I'm in a relationship with. And faith is responding to what God said and what Jesus accomplished in the midst of circumstance or or some vision of the future. So trust is a relational thing. We trust the Lord. His character is good. He's proven himself. And and we, uh, we trust in him. We know he's got our good in mind. Faith is the activity that comes out of that. Trust is relational. Faith is situational. Faith looks like something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The conviction, which means we're moving on it, of things that are unseen. So we grow in trust by building our relationship with God. But we grow in faith by living our lives according to God's word. We can sit in our quiet times. I'm speaking to myself here. We can sit in our quiet times and say, God, increase my faith, increase my faith. We're building trust when we do that. We're not building faith. We build faith when God tells us to do something and we do it. (laughs) Right? We can imagine all day long what God might do, but we don't build faith until we put him to the test. Till we walk across the street and pray for the sick person. Till we give the 10%, the 20%, the whatever, even though we don't know how it's going to all work out. 
till we forgive someone, just wondering what it'll be mean to our hearts. That's faith. C.S. Lewis just has a way of saying things, and I try to quote him as often as I can. He says, now faith is the art of holding on to things that your reason once accepted in spite of your changing moods. See, sometimes our faith can be challenged by our moods. Well, I don't feel it. I don't know. I don't, I'm just not feeling it today. What, what you're feeling is irrelevant to God's power and God's promise. I know that's harsh, but I'm talking to me. <laughs> How you're feeling is irrelevant. Closing my eyes so I can hear myself. How you're feeling is irrelevant to God's power and God's promise in our lives. Maybe the best question that we individually and even collectively as a church can ask ourselves through this series is this. Father, what does faith look like for me right now? Write that one down. (laughs) Something we're going to come back to. Father, what does faith look like for me right now? Faith for me is not the same as faith for you. That doesn't mean that faith is relative. It just means that the way that God will ask you to walk will be different than the, the way he asks me to walk. Our circumstances are different. Our understanding of God are different. Our lives are different. Okay, with all of that, let's jump into the book of Habakkuk. Uh, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. I'm going to focus on one for just a couple of minutes. But I want you to to hear this in context. If you've got a Bible, turn to the book of Habakkuk. Look up, up in the table of contents if you can't find it. Three chapters. This is the word of the Lord. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? Remember, Habakkuk's prayer. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Whenever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Parentheses. Habakkuk has watched cable news. I mean, this is, this is us right here. Violence, cruelty, arguing, fighting. And Habakkuk is speaking to God about this. The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that, so that justice has become perverted. There's Habakkuk's, you know, real humble prayer, right? And then it says, the Lord replied. Verse 5. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Now, here's where it gets tricky. God speaking, I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They're notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. 
Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. Now hear this last verse, because here's hope. (laughs) A lot of trouble, but here's hope. Again, God speaking. But they are deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. They're deeply guilty, for their own strength is their God. That tired me out just reading it. (laughs) First thing I want you to notice, Adam and Ian have talked about this in our Vineyard Daily Lives. Habakkuk was not afraid to ask God questions. Comes into his quiet time. First thing out of his mouth is not a worship song. First thing out of his mouth is, how long, O Lord? Adam in his Vineyard Daily Life this last week said, "That's, that's like the lament psalms in four words. How long, O Lord? Why do I have to witness all this? Destruction and violence. Habakkuk's prayer life was not just, I praise you, God, now would you do this for me? Part of Habakkuk's prayer life was, God, what are you doing? Do do you understand that's a legitimate question to ask the Lord of heaven and earth? We know that because it's in the Bible. Lord, what are you doing? Now, important that the heart behind, Lord, what are you doing, is not judgment of the character of God. It's not, Lord, what are you doing? Like that. It's, Lord, I know you're there. I know you're loving. I know you're powerful. That's all in parentheses. What are you doing? Because I want to be a part of that. But I just don't understand. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. And God answers Habakkuk 1.5. He says, look around. I'm at work. Now, it's tempting here at this time of the day and at, at this verse. It's tempting as, a, as an evangelical charismatic, charismatic to, to jump right off here and say, the Lord says, look What I'm doing, I'm about to do something that if you heard about it, you would be amazed. And and you want to just sort of jump into the coming revival, right? Well, I'm all about the coming revival. Jesus is coming. A revival is coming. This is not the text to camp on. Unfortunately, in Habakkuk's day, and the word of the Lord speaking to us today is not right here about the coming revival. It's about believing that God is at work before the revival. It's about believing that God is at work even when the way hasn't been made yet. Even when we just sang it, even when it seems you're not working, even like when it feels you're not working, you never stop. You never stop working. To believe that God is at work in spite of what we see. Can we believe that? God is at work when horrible things are happening when evil seems to be triumphing and God seems to be silent. What was God doing in Habakkuk's day? Again, look around at the nations, look and be amazed for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it. And then he goes on, I'm raising up the Babylonians. He says, I'm raising up, these are God's words, a cruel and evil people. A treacherous, destructive force, a people known for cruelty who do whatever they want, God's words, and whose own strength is their God. 
it's important for us to understand what Habakkuk is hearing from God. This is like, and I didn't experience so I, this, so I, I, I can't say with, uh, out of my own experience, but this is like saying to a group of Jewish people in 1945, God's doing something amazing, astounding. You wouldn't even believe it if someone told you. God's raising up the German government. Can you imagine what that would feel like? Well, wait, wait a minute. God, astounding, working, amazing German government? Exactly what Habakkuk would have thought when he heard Babylonians. What is God doing in our day? Because maybe it feels, and that's extreme, right? But maybe in your own life you feel like God's at work. I trust that. But what I feel like is I'm about to be conquered by an evil, destructive force. Maybe it's internal. Maybe it's external. Maybe it's circumstances. Maybe it's grief, whatever it might be. What is God doing in our day? And I have to answer that question honestly. I don't know exactly what God is doing in our day. I'm encouraged that God is powerful. God is loving. That, that God wins in the end. I know for sure God is loving his people right now. He's definitely doing that. He's always doing that. And I know, because Jesus said it, God is looking for faith. And Jesus you know, said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? God's loving his people, and he's looking for, which I, I would take as looking for, initiating, and eliciting faith. That's what God's doing. You think about this context of God at work in the Babylonians, God at work in yet my situation. In the end, there are only two options. We can trust in God or we can trust in us. Sort of boil it all down in this context. You can trust in God or you can trust in you. It it says about the Babylonians that their strength is their God. So are we going to be the people of God in a seemingly disastrous situation, or are we going to be the disaster? Are we going to trust in ourselves, and ourselves will be our God, or are we going to trust in God? Who or what your God is is revealed by who or what you trust. Remember, trust is relational, and where your faith lies is revealed by your actions. So in the context You know, we see Habakkuk asking the question and God answering the question, and and we might feel it ourselves, like, I want more. Well, the next six weeks are coming. There there is more. But I just want to um, make sure you see the, the foreshadowing of the coming answers. God says all these things about the Babylonians, all the difficulty that the people of God might have to walk through, even though God is at work. And he says, but their God is their strength. Don't miss that. Their God is their strength. Here we see the extent of evil's power. And hear this. Evil's power is limited. Evil's power is limited by the strength of evil people. Even by the strength of the evil one who who has limited power. But we need not be limited by our own power because we get to live, think, act, 
Walk, trust, forgive, believe, love by faith. Faith connects the clearly and necessarily limited creature to the will of the unlimited, uncreated creator and sustainer of all things. So just hear that again. Faith connects the the limited creature to the unlimited, uncreated creator, sustainer, and lover of the world. The way we look at the world has huge impact on the power and strength that we have to walk through it. Hear the question from the Lord this morning. Do you want to be connected to the will and the power of the unlimited, uncreated, creator, sustainer, and lover of the world? That's actually right there at your disposal, and you access it by faith. We'll see in Habakkuk that proud people whose God is their strength or their own wisdom will come to uh, a bad and even uh, to come, come to a bad end even if they prosper for a time. And don't we see evil prospering now for a time? But the scripture will get there in a couple of weeks, but the righteous will live by faith. So hear God's word to you this morning. But the righteous, it's you if you've trusted in Jesus, will live by faith. For what faith looks like, I'm going to encourage you this week, look through Hebrews 11, live, live in Hebrews 11, let that be some of your time with the Lord in the scripture, and, and, and find out what faith looks like. In this series, we're not going to try to explain to you why God allows suffering, how exactly God will bring his vengeance on evil in our time, or how your life or the world will all work out in the end. We're not trying to eradicate mystery. Mystery is not a bad word. As Adam pointed out this week in a Vineyard Daily Life, it's, I don't know is a perfectly legitimate question before God. Just remember, we're talking about God. If, if you can completely explain God and his ways, you sitting there, if, if you can completely explain and understand God and his ways, then one of two things is true. You're, you're serving the wrong God or you yourself are God. And, and if you're human listening to me, both of those have disastrous consequences. So mystery is an invitation from the Lord. And faith and mystery love one another. That, that, that's how we walk through life. Faith isn't a cop-out. It's not a fairy tale of denial or a fantasy of presumption, because faith doesn't define God's character in human terms. Faith trusts God's character to be the terms on which our hope is set, and our hope is set securely. So what does faith look like? You can start in Hebrews 11, and I'll give you a little more. Maybe faith looks like a healthcare worker who puts on their mask and walks into the hospital day after day, putting their life at risk for others, even their family at risk for others, even though they're scared. By faith, the tired parent chooses to celebrate their children, not just tolerate their children during this time. 
By faith, the 85-year-old saint following Jesus says no to fear and bitterness and resentment and rises up and continues to worship God, continues to proclaim the good news to the people around them, even in their isolation. By faith, the recently unemployed continues to bless others with gifts, with caring, with love, reaching out of themselves into somebody else's space. By faith, they say no to fear and bitterness. And yes, every day to joy and trust in God as father. By faith, the teenager says, I will not be uh, um, defined by this scenario in my life. I will rise above this and and say and know God is at work during this time. I will look to God. By faith, the single person who longs for relationships says no to temptation and no to distraction and no to addiction and says yes to eyes fixed on Jesus. By faith, the pastor speaks on faith when it feels like the cloud of depression is coming down. By faith, the wealthy choose to give above and beyond to see the less fortunate cared for because God has cared for them so, so well. By faith, the follower of Jesus reaches out to that neighbor in the, in the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood, even in spite of un- discomfort and awkward and strange and fearful, to see a real live heart with real live issues in a real live life. With faith, the, the, it, someone in the deaf community walks into the grocery store only to see people with mouths covered so they have no way to understand what's being spoken and can't even type it in and hand their phone over. By faith, they walk in and say, God is for me anyway. I am not alone and I will walk in joy. By faith, Nancy, dot, dot, dot. By faith, Amy, dot, dot, dot. By faith, Adam, dot, dot, dot. I'm going to take 30 seconds and give you time here and time here to finish that question. God, what does faith look like for me in this season? And I just want you to write it out. By faith, Randy, dot, dot, dot. Let's take... 20 seconds or so. Amy, do you mind coming? And then we'll take communion together. Father, what does faith look like for me today? Not fantasy, not presumption, but faith, eyes on you, in spite of what I see and feel. God, what does faith look like for me? the voice of the enemy 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God will speak to you by conviction where you see there's something to be done that he wants to empower you to do. And God will speak to you through invitation. Will you trust me and my character? Will you walk and act in faith? I want to close our time by taking communion together so you can gather your elements. For those in the room here, I've got the prepackaged elements there. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I remind you all as you take the elements that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. This table, these elements are for followers of Jesus, those who place their faith in him, those who are looking to Jesus as king. So all who call, on the name of Jesus. Receive the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Receive the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. specific needs, prayer requests, or you want someone to pray for you, send your prayer requests. If you want to pray with someone, um, send to that prayer at indievineyard.org, prayer ministry at indievineyard.org, and we'll um, contact you and we'll pray with you. Now, if you would, wherever you are, stand, and I want you to receive the benediction, the good news, the good words of God over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace that passes all understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen.